Volume two, part five, chapter seven of Dr. Wardle's School by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven. Nobody has condemned you here. Mrs. Wardle, when she perceived that her husband no longer called on Mrs. Peacock alone, became herself more assiduous in her visits, till at last she too entertained a great liking for the woman. When Mr. Peacock had been gone for nearly a month, she had fallen into a habit of going across every day after the performance of her own domestic morning duties, and remaining in the schoolhouse for an hour. On one morning she found that Mrs. Peacock had just received a letter from New York, in which her husband had narrated his adventures so far. He had written from Southampton, but not after the revelation which had been made to him there as to the death of Ferdinand. He might have so done, but the information given to him had, at the spur of the moment, seemed to be so doubtful that he had refrained. Then he had been able to think of it all during the voyage, and from New York he had written at great length, detailing everything. Mrs. Peacock did not actually read out loud the letter, which was full of such terms of affection as are common between man and wife, knowing that her title to be called a wife was not admitted by Mrs. Wardle. But she read much of it, and told all the circumstances as they were related. "'Then,' said Mrs. Wardle, "'he certainly is no more.' There came a certain accession of sadness to her voice, as she reflected that, after all, she was talking to this woman of the death of her undoubted husband. "'Yes, he is dead, at last,' Mrs. Wardle uttered a deep sigh. It was dreadful to her to think that a woman should speak in that way of the death of her husband. "'I know all that is going on in your mind,' said Mrs. Peacock, looking up into her face. "'Do you?' "'Every thought. You are telling yourself how terrible it is that a woman should speak of the death of her husband without a tear in her eye, without a sob, without one word of sorrow.' "'It is very sad.' of course it is sad has it not all been sad but what would you have me do it is not because he was always bad to me because he marred all my early life making it so foul a blotch that i hardly dare to look back upon it from the quietness and comparative purity of these latter days it is not because he has treated me as to make me feel that it has been a misfortune to me to be born that i now receive these tidings with joy it is because of him who has always been good to me as the other was bad who has made me wonder at the noble instincts of a man, as the other has made me shudder at his possible meanness. "'It has been very hard upon you,' said Mrs. Wardle, "'and hard upon him who was dearer to me than my own soul. Think of his conduct to me, how he went away to ascertain the truth when he first heard tidings which made him believe that I was free to become his. How he must have loved me then, when after all my troubles he took me to himself at the first moment that was possible.' think too what he has done for me since and i for him how i have marred his life while he has striven to repair mine do i not owe him everything everything said mrs wardle except to do what is wrong i did do what was wrong would you not have done so under such circumstances would not you have obeyed the man who had been to you so true a husband while he believed himself entitled to the name wrong i doubt whether it was wrong it is hard to know sometimes what is right and what is wrong. What he told me to do, that to me was right. Had he told me to go away and leave him, I should have gone and have died. I suppose that would have been right. She paused as though she expected an answer, but the subject was so difficult that Mrs. Wardle was unable to make one. I have sometimes wished that he had done so, but as I think of it when I am alone, I feel how impossible that would have been to him. He could not have sent me away. That which you call right would have been impossible to him whom I regard as the most perfect of human beings. As far as I know him, he is faultless. And yet, according to your judgment, 
he has committed a sin so deep that he must stay in disgrace before the eyes of all men i have not said so it comes to that i know how good you are how much i owe to you i know that dr wardle and yourself have been so kind to us that were i not grateful beyond expression i should be the meanest human creature do you not suppose that i am angry do not suppose that i am angry or vexed with you because you condemn me it is necessary that you should do so but how can i condemn myself or how can i condemn him if you are both free now it may be made right but how about repentance will it be all right though i shall not have repented i will never repent there are laws in accordance with which i will admit that i have done wrong but had i not broken those laws when he bade me i should have hated myself through all my life afterwards it was very different if you could know mrs wardle how difficult it would have been to go away and leave him it was not till he came to me and told me that he was going down to texas to see how it had been with my husband that i ever knew what it was to love a man he had never said a word he tried not to look it but i knew that i had his heart and that he had mine from that moment i have thought of him day and night when i gave him my hand then as he parted from me i gave it him as his own it has been his to do what he liked with it ever since let who might live or who might die ought i not to rejoice that he is dead mrs wardle could not answer the question she could only shudder it was not by any will of my own continued the eager woman that i married ferdinand lefroy everything in our country was then destroyed all that we loved and all that we valued had been taken away from us war had destroyed everything when i was just springing out of childhood we were ruined we had to go all of us women as well as men girls as well as boys and be something else than we had been i was told to marry him that was wrong when everything is in ruin about you what room is there for ordinary well-doing it seemed then that he would have some remnant of property our fathers had known each other long the wretched man whom drink afterwards made so vile might have been as good a gentleman as another if things had gone well with him he could not have been a hero like him whom i will always call my husband but it is not given to every man to be a hero was he bad always from the first he always drank from his wedding day and then robert was with them who was worse than he between them they were very bad my life was a burden to me it was terrible it was a comfort to me even to be deserted and to be left then came this englishman in my way and it seemed to me on a sudden that the very nature of mankind was altered he did not lie when he spoke he was never debased by drink he had other care than for himself for himself i think he never cared since he has been here in the school have you found any cause of fault in him no indeed no indeed nor ever will unless it be a fault to love a woman as he loves me see what he is doing now where he has gone what he has to suffer coupled as he is with that wretch and all for my sake for both your sakes he would have been none the worse had he chosen to part with me he was in no trouble i was not his wife and he need only bid me go there would have been no sin with him then no wrong had he followed out your right and your wrong and told me that as we could not be man and wife we must just part he would have been in no trouble would he i don't know how it would have been then said mrs wardle who was by this time sobbing aloud in tears no nor i nor i i should have been dead but he he is a sinner now so that he may not preach in your churches or teach in your schools so that your dear husband has to be ruined almost because he has been kind to him he then might have preached in any church have taught in any school what am i to think that god will think of it will god condemn him we must leave that to him sobbed mrs wardle yes but in thinking of our souls we must reflect a little as to what we believe to be probable 
he you say has sinned is sinning still and calling me his wife am i not to believe that if he were called to his long account he would stand there pure and bright in glorious garments one fit for heaven because he has loved others better than he has loved himself because he has done to others as he might have wished that they should do to him i do believe it believe i know it and if so what am i to think of his sin or of my own not to obey him not to love him not to do in everything as he counsels me that to me would be sin to the best of my conscience he is my husband and my master i will not go into the rooms of such as you mrs wardle good and kind as you are but it is not because i do not think myself fit it is because i will not injure you in the estimation of those who do not know what is fit and what is unfit i am not ashamed of myself i owe it to him to blush for nothing that he has caused me to do i have but two judges the lord in heaven and he my husband upon earth nobody has condemned you here yes they have condemned me but i am not angry at that you do not think mrs wardle that i can be angry with you so kind as you have been so generous so forgiven the more kind because you think that we are determined headstrong sinners oh no it is natural that you should think so but i think differently circumstances have so placed me that they have made me unfit for your society if i had no decent gown to wear or shoes to my feet i should be unfit also but not on that account disgraced in my own estimation i comfort myself by thinking that i cannot be altogether bad when a man such as he has loved me and does love me the two women when they parted on that morning kissed each other which they had not done before and mrs wardle had been made to doubt whether after all the sin had been so very sinful she did endeavour to ask herself whether she would not have done the same in the same circumstances the woman she thought must have been right to have married the man whom she loved when she heard that her first horrid husband was dead there could at any rate have been no sin in that and then what ought she to have done when the dead man dead as he was supposed to have been burst into her room mrs wardle who found it indeed extremely difficult to imagine herself to be in such a position did at last acknowledge that in such circumstances she certainly would have done whatever dr wardle had told her she could not bring it nearer to herself than that she could not suggest to herself two men as her own husbands she could not imagine that the doctor had been either the bad husband who had unexpectedly come to life or the good husband who would not in truth be her husband at all but she did determine in her own mind that however all that might have been she would clearly have done whatever the doctor told her she would have sworn to obey him even though when swearing she should not have really married him it was terrible to think of so terrible that she could not quite think of it but in struggling to think of it her heart was softened toward this other woman after that day she never spoke further of the woman's sin of course she told it all to the doctor not indeed explaining the working of her own mind as to that suggestion that he should have been in his first condition a very bad man and have been reported dead and have come again in a second shape as a good man she kept that to herself but she did endeavour to describe the effect upon herself of the description the woman had given of her own conduct i don't quite know how she could have done otherwise said mrs wardle nor i either i have always said so it would have been so very hard to go away when he told her not it would have been very hard to go away said the doctor if he had told her to do so where was she to go what was she to do they had been brought together by circumstances in such a manner that it was so to say impossible that they should part it is not often that one comes across events like these so altogether out of the ordinary course that the common rules of life seem to be insufficient for guidance to most of us it never happens and it is better for us that it should not happen but when it does one is forced to go beyond the common rules 
it is that feeling which has made me give them my protection it has been a great misfortune but placed as i was i could not help myself i could not turn them out it was clearly his duty to go and almost as clearly mine to give her shelter till he should come back a great misfortune geoffrey i am afraid so look at this then he handed to her a letter from a nobleman living at a great distance at a distance so great that mrs stantiloup would hardly have reached him there expressing his intention to withdraw his two boys from the school at christmas he doesn't give this as a reason no we are not acquainted with each other personally and he could hardly have alluded to my conduct in this matter it was easier for him to give a mere notice such as this but not the less do i understand it the intention was that the elder mowbray should remain for another year and the younger for two years of course he is at liberty to change his mind nor do i feel myself entitled to complain a school such as mine must depend on the credit of the establishment he has heard no doubt something of the story which has injured our credit and it is natural that he should take the boys away do you think that the school will be put an end to it looks very like it altogether i should not care to drag it on as a failure i am too old now to begin again with a new attempt if this collapses i have no office to fill up the vacancies the parents of those who remain of course will know how it is going with the school i shall not be disposed to let it die of itself my idea at present is to carry it on without saying anything till the christmas holidays and then to give notice to the parents that the establishment will be closed at midsummer will it make you very unhappy no doubt it will a man does not like to fail i am not sure but what i am less able to bear such failure than most men but you have sometimes thought of giving it up have i i have not known it why should i give it up why should any man give up a profession while he has health and strength to carry it on you have another yes but it is not the one to which my energies have been chiefly applied the work of a parish such as this can be done by one person i have always had a curate it is moreover nonsense to say that a man does not care most for that by which he makes his money i am to give up over two thousand pounds a year which i have had not a trouble but a delight in making it is like coming to the end of one's life oh geoffrey it has to be looked in the face you know i wish i wish they had never come what is the good of wishing they came and according to my way of thinking i did my duty by them much as i am grieved by this i protest that i would do the same again were it again to be done do you think that i would be deterred from what i thought to be right by the machinations of a she-dragon such as that has she done it well i think so said the doctor after some little hesitation i think it has been in truth her doing there has been a grand opportunity for slander and she has used it with uncommon skill it was a wonderful chance in her favour she has been enabled without actual lies lies which could be proved to be lies to spread abroad reports which have been absolutely damning and she has succeeded in getting hold of the very people through whom she could injure me of course all this correspondence with the bishop has helped the bishop hasn't kept it as a secret why should he the bishop has had nothing to do with this school said mrs wardle no but the things have been mixed up together do you think it would have no effect with such a woman as lady anne clifford to be told that the bishop had censured my conduct severely if it had not been for mrs stantiloup the bishop would have heard nothing about it it is her doing and it pains me to feel that i have to give her credit for her skill and her energy her wickedness you mean what does it signify whether she has been wicked or not in this matter oh geoffrey her wickedness is a matter of course we all knew that beforehand if a person has to be wicked it is a great thing for him to be successful in his wickedness he would have to pay the final penalty even if he failed to be wicked and to do nothing is to be mean all round 
i am afraid that mrs stantiloup will have succeeded in her wickedness end of volume two chapter seven